Imagine if we had like chosen any other drink in the world. We could have chosen cocaine leaves. Hello, Madeline. Hi, Anu. So, welcome back to our final semester of undergrad. And if you're just joining us, my name is Anu Kumar. And I'm Madeline MacArthur. And this is Bridging the Synapse, a podcast about everyday topics and situations through a neuroscience lens. Join us as we bridge the synapse. So, Anu, how does it feel to be back for your last semester of undergrad? Oh, it feels so good. It feels really great and also a little bittersweet. I can't believe we're about to finish college. Yeah, graduate. I I don't feel like a senior at all. I still feel like, like a sophomore, really. Yeah. Just still in it, trying to figure it all out. Well, today we have a very special guest. We interviewed our friend Gabe Taylor for this episode. So Gabe is a former barista but current coffee connoisseur. Gabe is also a fellow neuroscience major here at UTK, and Madeline actually sat down with him to talk about all things coffee, how he got involved in coffee, the culture surrounding it, and what effects coffee has on your brain. All right, so I'm here with our guest, Gabe Taylor. Um, So Gabe, tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been a barista? Right, so uh, I am a neuroscience major here at UT, senior, and I've been a barista. Uh, I started being a barista when I was in, I think, the ninth grade. I was 16. Really, for some odd reason, I don't really know why, really admired uh, the Starbucks baristas for some reason. Like, when I was growing up as a kid, I was like, these people are cool. <laughs> Went into Starbucks the second I could. I kept bugging them, and eventually I got hired. And that's when I met my first mentor, Courtney. And Courtney's a guy. And Courtney was, uh, he was like a second dad figure, almost. And that that's what kind of got me interested in coffee. Courtney had like a loyalty to this company. He said Starbucks has taken care of him. Nothing has ever been done to him by Starbucks. They've given him his shoes to be repaired. They pay for his car. They pay for his health insurance. They've been an awesome company. Yeah. They are good to their employees. And for the, like at that moment, I was like, hey, I am kind of be proud to not only be a Starbucks barista, but to be serving under Courtney, like to mm-hmm. be working in the same environment, to be uh you know to train in this environment to kind of learn about the coffee culture and so even though i know it's kind of like starbucks is not the catch-all end-all real big deal coffee shops you know in quotes big deal yeah it is um it was my first work family and i'm always going to have a lot of respect for it and Mm -hmm. that's kind of when i started wanting to drink more coffee and learn more about it yeah what kind of drew you to your to coffee um so my very first experience with coffee was with my grandfather uh, he drank decaffeinated coffee. Anyway, uh, I always wanted to be just like him. And so like I would get this cup and I hated coffee when I first drank it. I thought it was so gross. That is so wild to hear now. But I made myself drink it because I wanted to be like my granddad. It's brought me closer to people. But I came to like associate all the warm memories that I've had over coffee or learning about coffee. There's the respect I had for Courtney. I taste and remember 
all of those things when I drink coffee. And so it's special to me because I have all those good memories. I met some of my best friends drinking coffee to be drinking. <laughs> that almost happened. And we almost banned coffee. Yeah. And we went for coffee. But like when you think about it, this is a substance. We don't think of it as a drug. It's like the wide mass selling of a psychoactive substance that we partake in every day. Millions of Americans drink coffee every single day. Right. And to me, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of memories associated with coffee, and there's just so much that I can learn about it that I'm like, I might as well. And so I started to dig a little bit deeper. So it was more so the relationship surrounding uh, this drink and this um, event of drinking coffee, making coffee, rather than the coffee itself. Right. At first it started more as the people I was enjoying coffee with, Mm -hmm. rather than I just tasted coffee the first time, I'm like, this is it. (laughs) Um, It's kind of like wine, you know, the first time you try wine, right. it tastes very, like, eh. A lot of people really remember they first tried wine when they were kids, mm-hmm. most people. And they hated it. And now I see a lot of adults, you know, you know, a lot of my friends drinking wine now. They're like, oh, this is actually really sweet and really tasty. It has yeah. a lot of depth of flavor. Coffee has the same potential. It has the same foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people are like, you know, this wine has, like, notes of currant and black cherry. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people don't know this. You can get tastes of, you know, depending on where the coffee is grown from and the way it's been washed and processed. You can get, co- like, Ethiopian coffees are always going to be citrusy because a lot of citrus fruits are grown on the eastern side of Africa. Indonesian coffees are always really spicy and earthy and cheesy, as that's usually what's grown in the soil around coffee plants. So coffee takes in the culture and the flavors of surrounding areas in which it's grown and represents it inside of its cup. And that's really interesting to me to taste like strawberries and Hawaiian coffee and cheeses or maybe like mushroomy, earthy tastes. And that might not sound like really interesting or cool when you first think about it, but like it's like those flavors get sucked in and you can try them. And then there are these people who, you know, no coffee is just picked by machine. All coffee you've ever drank has been picked by someone's hand put in a bag, roasted, and maybe processed in a facility, but it was first picked on a plantation by someone who loves coffee and cares about getting coffee out. Because, you know, you want to think about all these people being, like, you know, horribly treated, but a lot of these people really enjoy coffee, and they're doing it to serve other people throughout the world. They want to give coffee to us. I've Mm -hmm. met a lot of these producers. I've talked with them, a lot of roasters, and there's always so much passion surrounding coffee that I can't help but, like, be infected by it. All right. So transitioning a little bit. So you talked uh, about how you are a neuroscience major, like Anu and I. Um, So I I was wondering if you could speak to a little bit about how... So you mentioned earlier how you are a neuroscience major, like Anu and I. And I was wondering if you could speak to coffee's effects on the brain and just what you know about that. I am ready for this. Go for it. (laughs) Uh, So the way coffee works is the main molecule that most people already are familiar with in coffee is caffeine. And caffeine works by plugging into your adenine receptors inside your brain, mostly located in the pons and the reticular formation in your brain. Uh, to my understanding, and I'm probably totally wrong about the reticular formation, but I'm pretty sure that's where the adenine receptors are. And these receptors are plugged up by caffeine, and they're no longer able to send their inhibitory effects to the rest of the brain Mm -hmm. or to the rest of the human body. And so because of that, it's taking away... It's like saying you can no longer turn off your brain. Mm -hmm. And so the more caffeine you intake the more those adenine receptors that get plugged up. And so, you know, the reason you get sleepy is because over time, more and more of those adenine receptors are getting plugged up. 
and that's telling your body, hey, it's getting closer and closer to sleep. Your body getting tired is your body wearing out, mm -hmm. and it's being filled with these receptors. And so when you take caffeine and you plug them into these receptors, your body no longer has that biological clock as much, and it's just able to ignore the effects of exhaustion as it normally does. And so that energy is really just your brain activating as normal and you're not getting tired because your brain no longer has the capacity to feel tired, like it's being plugged up. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes people like, when they talk about, I still feel tired, but my heart's racing when I drink coffee, what's happened? And it's like, your body your, it still gets tired, your muscles still get weak, you're, you're still supposed to sleep every day. And so if you don't sleep very much and you're only going on coffee, your mind and your heart are all being told you're wide awake, but your muscles are like, I'm filling up with lactic acid. Mm -hmm. We need to sleep. We need to be cleaned mm -hmm. out and, you know, have our kidneys and liver be able to work on us. Because that's what we're doing when we're sleeping is we're opening up our veins. We're relaxing our muscles and letting all those toxins be flushed out of us. And, you know, we can just get rid of it in the morning. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if we don't do that, if we're not sleeping enough, you know, those things build up in your muscles. And so that's when you get that really tired yet bursting anxious awake feeling and that's kind of the danger of coffee too is remember it is a drug it's right. not necessarily good or bad it's just going to do this one particular thing i always tell people to be careful with coffee especially when they're first getting into it because it can be an uncomfortable experience i live with panic attacks i have had panic attacks from drinking coffee that is a hundred percent true and i'm mm -hmm. not going to tell anyone to drink coffee if it makes you uncomfortable. It's okay to go into coffee, totally hate it, but you wanna be part of this new culture. Yeah. It is all about how your experience wants to be with coffee. That is all it's about. Mm -hmm. If you wanna find that you wanna pair chocolate with Colombian coffees and that's how you drink it at first, you have to taste it with sweets, mm -hmm. that's fine. If you have to have it with some milk, that's fine. I just want to see more and more people giving it a shot and rather than just saying, oh, I tasted it the first time and it really wasn't that great. Mm -hmm. Because the coffee is going to take some time to get used to. I mean, we're supposed to taste bitter molecules to recognize poisons and stuff. And caffeine yeah. is technically, in every sense of the word, a poison. It kills insects. when That's why caffeine evolved in coffee plants was to kill insects biting mm -hmm. into it. Really? And so, yeah, you get like, you know, these crops of coffee destroyed by locusts and so over years of evolution the caffeine and the coffee plants was meant to override a bug's nervous system and so their heart would just explode Jeez. and so that doesn't happen to us because we are much bigger than an ant we are um, and so for us it just gives us a nice pleasurable buzz or um, it makes us more energetic I've gotten coffee highs before where I'm just like super positive because coffee also acts on your endorphins it can act on your you know, it can boost neurotransmitters, serotonin. I mean, it acts on so many neurotransmitters in the brain. It's just most popular for the caffeine effects on adenine receptors. And so that is just something to keep in mind. But what I've kind of taken from this is listen to your body. Um, Absolutely. And don't just ignore it and say, no, you are going to stay awake. I'm going to force you to do things right now. And I'm just going to pump you full of caffeine. Well, coffee's not doing anything to you. You're taking a toll on your body when you're ignoring sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's, it sounds so silly to say, as like a big coffee fanatic, that you need to get rest and sleep. And But that's like, and so, um, and then it was stolen from Islam into England. And then we stole it from England and then brought it to America. It Coffee has been tried. We've tried to protect coffee so many times to keep it from being stolen. It has failed every single time. And now it's all over the world, uh, continually being grown in places where people say it can't be grown. 
Yeah. And it's just such a, a miracle and historically impactful plant that I really just want people to give it a chance and learn more about it. Right. Amazing. So you already kind of delved into my next question then. What do you, what do you think about how coffee has become such a fashion statement in society? Because I know you work for Starbucks and people see that as like, oh, I got to go get my Starbucks and that's been like the fashionable thing. Like it's almost part of, it almost seems like your co- Starbucks cup or even your coffee cup is part of. People sometimes want coffee, you know, they they say I, if I dress in like a nice pea coat and a sweat, you know, and then a nice uh, scarf and I have my sunglasses on and I'm walking through the, you know, the street in a cold day and I have my, and then all of a sudden it's ruined by me having a Starbucks siren logo on my cup as if that mattered to anyone, the coffee I drink. Mm-hmm. When we talk about what it's actually viewed as, is like a societal whole, it's often, if you get your coffee from Starbucks, you just want the caffeine and you're pretending. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think a person going to Starbucks and getting a Frappuccino makes them suddenly like incapable of caring about coffee or anything. I think they just A, either have not given it the chance or they don't understand that there's a whole world to coffee. It's kind of like all of us who try and delve in something outside of our comfort zone is delving into someone's expertise. Mm-hmm. Most people I know are not neuroscience majors. Mm-hmm. I do not knock people when they tell me that they know what a neuron is. If people eat start getting Starbucks, say they enjoy Starbucks, that should be it. Mm-hmm. They are drinking coffee, they are enjoying coffee, and that's all coffee is supposed to do. It does not matter where coffee comes from. Many other countries like Italy, it's a big deal. You mm-hmm. know, coffee is like this whole art. I don't. It's very hard to answer. Like, you know, what it do is. I what do I think about how, how does it become a fashion statement? I think it's often like. You, you look at a coffee. I want to say that people who are holding coffee cups when they're walking around are pictured as smart. But I think a lot of people yeah. just look at them and say, wow, they must be addicted to coffee. What a wannabe. I, I think that I feel like there are many thoughts. It, it depends on like who's carrying the cup of coffee and what cup of coffee they're carrying, whether it be um, you know from a local... Uh, coffee shop or whether it's from a Starbucks or whether it's their own reusable mug like there Mm -hmm. are layers to it and some people you know nowadays we value busyness it's kind of like an outfit in general like people wearing glasses can be so many different kinds of personalities you don't just look at that person's glasses you look at their face structure you look at their a good conclusion to this is um, like the same thing as like don't judge a book by its cover it's so cheesy but don't judge a person by their coffee Caffeine primarily affects the cortex, and it increases the firing within the cortex by increasing um, the dopamine, the norepinephrine, the acetylcholine, and the glutamate. And all this is increased by blocking those adenosine receptors with the caffeine. So by blocking these receptors, then all of these other neurotransmitters are then increasing, which, you know, causes dysfunction in your sleep and dysregulation so that um, you're not sleeping as well, or you're just not sleeping as much. Yep. So I want to talk a little bit about like addiction and caffeine, therefore caffeine addiction. Yes. So why, why do we not say people are like caffeine addicts? And I know we say like, oh, I'm addicted to coffee, but like Mm -hmm. in a very lighthearted kind of sense, but like that's very different from being like addicted to like painkillers or like a street drug. You know, so why don't we say people are addicted to caffeine? I feel like addiction is something, like addiction is a disease. Mm -hmm. And um, with caffeine, I I don't think it deserves that same 
just consideration of considering how severe it can be, you know, mm-hmm. for alcohol or like you said, opiates. Um, I feel like caffeine, it's definitely, well, first of all, the route of administration is too slow. Like it's not causing um, a bunch of uh, like psychoactive effects um, and the administration, it's it's very slow and has to go through your liver, liver and has to be filtered out before it even like passes the blood brain barrier mm-hmm. to get to your brain. So it's just too slow in that it, it shouldn't be treated as severe as opiates and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And when we kind of like talk about addiction, we only really say that you have an addiction whenever you're experiencing withdrawal symptoms mm-hmm. from it. So withdrawal symptoms are essentially the opposite symptoms of what you would get from consuming any sort of like drug, which I guess you could consider caffeine as sort of like a colloquial drug, like something that we consume every day. It's like very, it's very normal to see someone consuming caffeine rather than seeing someone like, I don't know, like shooting up heroin. Yeah. You You don't see that as much. Yeah. Um, At least, at least in a very nonchalant way. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, what you, what you mentioned about the RAD administration was very interesting as well because, like, the withdrawal symptoms for a lot of, like, major drugs like uh, heroin and a bunch of, like, opiates are very intense. And for caffeine, even if someone is, like, ve- even very addicted to them, um, the withdrawal symptoms aren't as severe, right? So caffeine makes you more alert. It makes you more uh, awake and active. And it can also like um, like stimulate your digestive tract as well. So withdrawal symptoms would be kind of like the opposite of that. You would feel like that crash. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you would be feeling a little bit tired, very sluggish, a little unmotivated. Um, you may not be feeling like hungry or you may be feeling even more hungry depending on like what caffeine does to you personally. Right. And um, what you said about like the withdrawal effects mimic uh, the exact opposite of what the drug was doing to you. Um, so uh, maybe the worst um, withdrawal effect you might experience with caffeine is just like this really severe headache, mm-hmm. which, you know, sucks. It's not pleasant mm-hmm. at all. Um, but, it, you know, that's extremely less um, severe than, say, like these severe cravings or even like sometimes with alcohol with people who um like go cold turkey with alcohol they can like cause more harm to their body than like help it Mm -hmm. so you that's one um drug that you slowly need to wean yourself off of if you are addicted to alcohol for example Mm -hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense for coffee though it seems like you can you're able to quit cold turkey it's just not pleasant it's not pleasant (laughs) yeah yeah have you ever felt like you were addicted to coffee I have. I have. I remember, um, I think it was after my sophomore year of of college, and I came home for winter break, and I went, like, two, three days without drinking any coffee, and I just, like, was in bed at one point with just a severe headache, Mm -hmm. and I was, and it just hit me, like, oh, my gosh, I'm drinking too much coffee. (laughs) This is not healthy. Yeah. Bridging the Synapse is produced, edited, and written by us, Anu Kumar and Madeline MacArthur. Production assistance is provided by John Kennedy from The Daily Beacon. Music in this episode is from Poddington Bear. 
We release a new episode every other Wednesday. We also release one episode a month in conjunction with The Daily Beacon. You can contact us via our email, which is bridgingthesynapse at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter, at SynapseBridge, and on Instagram, bridgingthesynapse. You can also follow us on our Facebook page, Bridging the Synapse. For more information about this podcast and to check out what sources we use for this episode, you can visit us on Anchor, Bridging the Synapse Podcast, or you can find us wherever uh, podcasts are available. We hope you've learned something new today, and we'll see you on the next episode. Don't abuse coffee.